Hello, I'm author Mark Muncy. And I'm author Erica Lance. And this is Eerie Travels. Greetings, travelers. Greetings, travelers in a haunted holiday. Oh, yes. Holiday spirit is just exploding from us as we thank our Lord and Savior, Optimus Prime, for dying for us. <laughs> I oh, no, wait. You can you can chalk up your uh, gas to uh, exploding from you holiday spirit there, Mark. Yeah, yeah, it's true. No, we had uh, uh, no, we, we had the gas inspector come out to our new mountain bunker and said, oh, you're you're missing two regulators that you should have. And we're like, oh, those sound important. They said, yeah, otherwise your house might explode. Please let the listeners know that your house isn't going to explode. No, no. As long as I don't smell rotten eggs, I'm good. But no. <laughs> oh, God. That's not that's not how we do this. I'm no, sure no, they no. They, them, they, right? they found the paperwork for the original house and were able to find that there were two more regulators. Just the inspector couldn't find it. Oh, okay. Okay. Good. But now I do have to say, because of the new house, I, I something has come up. You've got to tell the story because the amazing uh, wife of yours, Carrie, posted about this, and I was like, posted the second part of this. So okay. Did so not post about the first part. Now you know Carrie is ghost lodestone, right? Yeah. Nothing happens to her. Well, I went to bed one night, wasn't feeling well, had a rough week. Uh, epilepsy is not my friend. And I went and laid down early and Carrie, you know, sat up in the house. And then she said about two in the morning when she was about ready to come to bed, she heard laughter from the far side of the house. Now I was dead asleep. And that's from this room that I record in my office room, which is where we know we have a visitor. Maybe he found something funny in one of the books. I mean, I, he loved my books because my he moves my books around quite a bit already I've, I've got to get a camera in here just to see what happens now so uh, i'm going to be reaching out to some of my ghost hunting teams to see what they can come up with for us but she heard that and she heard some movement and then she was like nope going to bed and so that's the first time carrie's noped out of a thing oh yes well welcome carrie carrie through vicariously welcome to the note there is carrie carrie come on in <laughs> story so okay. I have to come in you forgot the second thing I heard oh what was the second thing I forgot because yeah it, it, the locker didn't seem malicious but at two in the morning when you're sitting by yourself it's a little creepy but then right after he said wolf you know Carrie you're kind of cute I'm just saying maybe That's you got an admirer in this room maybe yeah, he's I, like Mark's in bed I can okay, hit on just, Carrie <laughs> so now part two which was this morning. Yeah. So tell that. It well, seems... I'll say what I saw that you posted on Facebook. Did... Okay. It, it appears that somebody took your yarn and started redecorating. Is that what happened? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of odd. Uh, I was working on a little ghosty crochet and the yarn went all the way across the room now. <laughs> and and for no reason whatsoever that we have no, you know, Claudius is locked into his room everybody this was in a complete opposite side of the house and we were dead asleep so who knows well we don't hear anything when we're dead asleep yeah so 
just saying you you have a friend there and it wouldn't surprise me just because of the location of where your guys's house is that you have other transient friends that can come right. and visit you right not harmful ones not harmful ones but considering the number of cats maybe it was a cat thing <laughs> a ghost cat in your house you would know if there was a cat because you'd have other sounds and things like that because yeah. they would have to ghost, get in i'd have ghost allergies but so. i am just proud carrie that you noped out of that situation you full erica and went and we're done Be oh garris just pulled a full erica too so. i also know that mark is pretty much deaf so if something happens to me and i'm screaming he's not coming <laughs> yeah. Just call me. I'm close enough. I'll get there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Quick enough. So, all right. Thank you, Carrie. That was awesome. Amazing. And I love that that finally happened to her. Yeah. Finally had, <laughs> finally had some woo woo happen to her. So yeah. Now, now she's going to have to take the, the protection bottle with her. That was cute before, but now she's actually going to have to use it. I love that. That's hysterical. But do you know what else? Before we get into this wonderful holiday holler monster episode, we have two, not one, two breaking news stories. Okay, the first one is kind of funny, I guess. I don't know. So there is an alien corpse in Mexico. Mark, do you know about this? Yes, yes. The They made a big... Is it Peru or Mexico? Is they found it's it in, in Peru? Sorry, it's in South Peru. America. It's in Peru. Yeah, they found it in Peru, and they announced we have found aliens for a big government press conference to tie in with the U.S. press conferences, I guess. And they are the craziest looking things. And I love that our good friend Ron Lanham from Wild Weird West Virginia, for one of their events, they made a Rice Krispies treats version of this alien and it looks perfect because that's what it looks like. It looks like a tray with a rice crispy treat alien mummy. And everybody has been like, well, when can we study it? When can we say, oh, we're studying it. So. Yeah. So apparently just so you know, the alien experts in Peru have said that aliens do not have lungs or ribs. So that is part of um thing. But apparently what came out was that, 30% of the DNA um, is analyzed does not match humans, but is an unknown species. But that means 70% was human? Yes. <laughs> okay. So, so I'm thinking but it's, mermaid but it's, here it's now. definitely not human, Mark. Definitely. Oh, okay. Definitely not. Definitely not. Definitely. Okay. So we're including 30 a link. 30% not. Yeah. Including a link in the show notes. Very vital. But... Even better breaking news. What? And this comes out. This is very funny because we got to do a mini little shout out again to our wonderful friend, Stacy Brown. Oh, yes. Because apparently we're going to Harrisville, Rhode Island, which is the location of the Conjuring House. Yes. So this um, news story broke, but basically this week, early Monday, um, the barn on the property of the conjuring house caught fire right after midnight. Wow. And they, they, I believe they still are investigating the cause. Yes. So, so I, was, I was woken up to this news. The conjuring house is on fire and I'm like, Oh no. And they, cause we just got the new owner, but no, it, it was, it was the barn. Exactly. So 
there is an owner and then now there's a new owner that purchased the property as of May of this year. And Stacy talked a little bit about what they did, right? Yeah. But um, the house itself was fine. And the spirit, they're saying the spirits within are all okay. Although some of them, I don't know if we want them to be okay, whatever. But um, it was the barn that caught fire and they were able to jump on it and get the fire out before it spread or whatever. But I'm just saying, Stacy, don't know what you stirred up there, my friend. We talked well, about that a little bit on that show. Might, might have closed that portal behind you if, if you could have. This is what happens when you have seances and bury people on the property. That's all I'm going to say. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, those are our two breaking news stories. Links are in the notes. So. Erica, you missed a crucial part of that last story. Oh, Bo jumping in. What did I miss? <laughs> you got all the guests. Apparently one of the fire trucks that came to the, the Conring house to help put the fire out had the license plate 666. Spooky. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. I just got the heebie-jeebies. I don't know why I just got the heebie-jeebies. I don't like that. Uh -oh. so, I presented that so like funny. Why did you get the heebie-jeebies? I don't know why I got the heebie-jeebies, but I absolutely just got the heebie-jeebies, and I don't enjoy that at all. Thank all right, you now, anyway. Now I'm going back to the shadows where oh, I belong. Yes, <laughs> as you sling back into the shadows. Oh my gosh, this has been a fun start to this episode. This already, started... I mean, well, we're breaking news back. We haven't had that in a while because we've yeah, been no. so um, cool. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so. so uh, we had a couple stories we could break in there. So. Our guests are on fire. Yeah, oh and we've got more to... coming for Haunted Holidays. Oh my gosh, still, you know, this, this late in the game, we still got them coming. So. Oh my, my gosh, goodness. yes. This so, is crazy. Mark, you are going to tell us about some holla monsters. Yeah, that's I've gotten some recent ones that haven't been in Erie Appalachia that might be in one of the new books, of course, that you know, we are uh, not talking about yet. Not talking about, yeah, future projects, future projects. Let's you are at terrible at this future project thing, by the way. I'm not good at secrets. That's No, that's you are my, not. Things. You can ask my kids. That anytime I got a Christmas present for him, like in July, I gave it to him right then. So it was like, yeah, you are you are a little bit fired from this, but continue. Or then when on. I would get smart and hide it, I wouldn't find it till like February, and then give it to him in February. Say, oh, this was supposed to be a Christmas present. Ah, note to self on Mark's Christmas oh. present giving skills. Okay, so let's talk about holidays. So. Where are we starting our journey for these holler monsters, Mark? All right. So I'm going to take you to a little town in Tennessee. Ooh, I like Tennessee. Where are we this going? Is, this is not too far from Sevierville. So not too far from us. Oh. Uh, it is in eastern Tennessee. And it is in an area called Beach Springs, Tennessee, Ooh. which is a little unincorporated town. And like uh, those are where I get the best holler monster stories, right? So after I had written Erie Appalachia, a person wrote me and asked me if I knew about this one creature that we've discussed a little bit here and there. It was the name that you know, that the Cherokee fear, and that is Spearfinger. Oh, yes. We now, talked a little bit about Spearfinger in one of the recent episodes, but yes, yeah. let's let's Spearfinger. 
Okay, so spear this finger, is a vengeful woman cryptid, and I appreciate that. You gotta I, love that. No, yeah. The, the, the story goes that she was a Cherokee who wanted more and more power within the tribe. It's similar to the Wendigo. She was taking out people that were in her way to get power. And it started with some of the other, you know, the midwives and, and the wise women. And then it got to the point where she needed to take out the medicine man. And so she went to take him out and then they were able to stop her and curse her with this crazy curse where she is forced to walk the world forever unless she can eat. You ready for this? Human livers. Okay, so... Let's go back to the beginning of this story. Yes. Okay. We need to we need to dial it back for a moment here. So um she starts trying to kill people. That's how this this is the genesis of this. Getting rid of people. They didn't why, why is she so scorned? Well, that's just it. She was she wanted to get more power. Oh, so you know, she was kept down in the ranks and she felt like she deserved better, and the people were always keeping her down. So instead of working hard and getting higher up and learning new things she would just take out the person above her you know filling dead man's boots as it were okay well i'm not i I, i'm not going to endorse this in present day but i'm i'm saying that it may have been a way to work around some sort of like you know, glass ceilings or straw yeah, ceilings exactly. back then, whatever. But, you know, if you're going to kill the, the the medicine man of your tribe, make sure you, you know, you plan it a little better so that you don't get caught and then cursed for eternity. Well, you know, not every plan is foolproof, Mark. Not no, every- no. Her soul was crossed with basically a demon, and that's why she walks eternally she made she made an offer to save her life and that's why she has to eat liver okay and now so to do she this, did this or she was cursed wait a minute i'm confused it was cursed to to be to wander the happy hunting grounds forever and never have a or never be to the happy hunting grounds she was cursed to walk the earth forever and then she made a deal with some darker power and that's where she got this and they were like oh you can go back to life but you have to eat livers oh okay oh well human livers and to make this easier, she transformed into this, you know, diabolic-looking creature that's uh, seven to ten feet tall. And I need to understand something. Does she eat them with fava beans and a nice Chianti? That's what I always want to know. But she she gave herself <laughs> like the ultimate tool for this. She has okay. one long talon on her index finger, and then she can poke that into you. And pull out your spleen like a talon. I don't. Um, there's there's some physics that don't work with that just little theory, but I love it. I love it. It's terrifying, little pokey. I'm gonna poke it. You know, I like it. Okay. okay, so it's a common folklore tale of or yeah. uh, in the Cherokee area. A lot of the you know the uh, early settlers would hear this story from the the Cherokee and go, "Wow, that's weird. That's like the moon-eyed people. That's all these." Other weird stories, we don't believe any of it. Now we're starting to realize some of it might have happened. And uh, we're starting to go, wait a minute, we we need to give these things a little more credence, but oh, Spearfinger can't be, can't be real. No. So I got a letter, and this is from a man named um, 
Oh, I, I, I better not use the name because I'm not sure 100% I'm allowed to use the name. Okay, so from a person who doth yeah. not be named. Shall not be named. But anyway, he said his family legend is that one of his family disappeared long ago and was found and had a very peculiar wound. So we're going to tell this little story here. So we're going okay. in the Wayback Machine. The boy's name was Daniel Jefferson. Daniel Jefferson Boone. He was named after several heroes. Uh, and then his family last name, which I'm not going to say for now, just to be safe. Okay. And he was going home after a long night at church. And he had stayed late at the church and he had helped the church. But he was not a member of the church. He just liked to work there and help and do things. And the preacher told him, you know, hey, did you listen to the sermon tonight? And he's like, oh, yeah, the, none of that scares me none. You know, he's like, of course this, not. this is, you know, when I don't, I don't listen to preachers. I don't listen to any of this. You know, I'm just here. I like the church. I think it's a beautiful building. I like working on it. And that's why I'm here to help. And I'm wrapping up tonight. I'm going to head home. He's like, but I'm going to head across the holler. It's a, you know, it's a moonless night. So I got to be a little extra careful tonight, but I'll be fine. So, so he starts his evening by telling the church that he doesn't believe in them. Yes. Okay. And then the preacher's like, you know, the old widow across the way says, you can go stay with her rather than cross the holler on a, on a moonless night. That ain't safe. There's things out there that would hurt you. And he's like, uh, you know, that's a good idea. The widow knows their stories and she knows the land but uh i've i've walked these lands my whole life since i was a youngster no problem i got this oh, see now the start to every terrible tale somebody gives good advice and the other person goes i got this i'm good yeah he's like old wives tales that's that's a bunch of hoot nanny hogwash i'm good i got this hoot nanny hogwash okay yeah so he goes off into the woods and now the preacher and a couple of the other people at the church are like well you know he just better be careful because old uh old spear finger hunts on moonless nights and you know he's a we, we've told him about it it's an old cherokee legend hunts like an animal and feeds on the bodies of living and she pretends to be something that you love and lure you in and then once she gets your guard down she uses that long fingernail and she skewers you and that's how she gets her name and one guy's like you know what it's closing time folks at the church go home i don't need the preachers like we don't need these stories so uh the bartender across the way is like come on over to the bar let's get, we'll have some nice drinks on this cold moonlit night uh moonless night right so they all head over and they all go do that, and they all go. Well, let's let's toast old uh, Jefferson Davis there as he's heading out on his holler walk. Make sure he gets home okay. So Jefferson starts walking through the woods and through the underbrush, and he comes upon a hollow with a footpath, and it's dark and just the faintest starlight keeping his eyes open. But he knows the woods. Kind of thought about the widow, you know, old widow Doyle. Like, maybe I should head back to her. But 
it's it's a dark night. I'm good. I got this. And he starts basically into the darkness. And he heads up the creek. And he starts heading up towards the old farm that he knows up there. But somehow he heard like a thud near his shoes. And he realizes something's wrong because the forest is dead silent. No crickets, no owls. You know, I even... you you know my number one thing to know something is wrong is when it goes dead quiet. Yeah, not even it... tree branches moving in the wind. It is yeah, just no. dead silent. And so, and then that thud down by his feet, and he looks, and there's just a stone, and he's like, ah, just kicked it up something. I'm good. So he goes a little further, but now two twigs fall into the ground, like right in front of him. And and he sees this large tree just kind of blow itself over on the other side of the road. Just, just blow itself over. Literally yeah. got like pushed over by a feather. But he could he could hear the wind, just a faint wind, but then the tree came down. And as soon as the tree came down, there was the big thud. And he's like, okay, now I'm now I'm nervous. Maybe I should head back to the widows. I'm still closer to that than the farm. And then he hears a new sound. And it's a crack. As if yeah. something stepped on a fallen twig. All right. So he knows he's not alone in the woods now. And now every dark holler monster story is going through his head, right? Everything that could possibly be in the woods is in the woods. And he's thinking of ghosts of the Civil War. He's thinking of native spirits. He's thinking of the devil himself who supposedly stuck his nose in a lake nearby. And that's why they can't, they had to move the church closer to the mountain instead of the lake because you can't put the church where the devil was. And all these stories are going through his head. And it's, but then he's noticed again, it's gone silent. And then he sees a little girl crying over by the fallen tree. And he runs up to her and she goes, are you okay? Are you okay? Did the tree hurt you? And suddenly every hair on the back of his neck stands up. And he realizes he's a mouse cornered by a very big cat. Because... You're explaining this, and it reminds me, for anybody in the video game world, whoever played, um, what was it, Left for Dead, I think? Oh, yeah, The Witch. Yes. The Witch. Okay. Anyway, that's what it reminded me of, the weeping and then whatever, and then it attacks you, and I'm completely freaked out. Thanks. So he's looking around. He knows knows that there's wildcats in the area, and that's the feeling he's got right now. He looks at the little girl, and he's like, all right. We got to get out of here. Let's get you out of here. So he picks up the little girl and he looks at her and he realizes she's one of the little girls from town. And he's like, great. And then there comes the big cat. And it's a, you know, what looks like a bobcat, maybe a panther, you know, but there aren't panthers in this part of the woods, but that's what the story says. So he goes, shoo, shoo cat trying to, you know, I ain't afraid of you. You know, go away. Can't scare me none. You know, get out of here. And so he stomps the ground, kicks the dirt. You're just a big kitty. 
get out of here. Get out of here. He ain't got no gun. He ain't got nothing. He's just trying to get home. But now he's got this little girl. And he's like, all right. And the cat runs off. And he's like, gotcha. Spooked you good, didn't I? So he turns back to the trail, grabs the little girl. And he's like, this, let's get you home. There's, I'll, I'll take you to the widow's place. It's not that far. Well, you can stay warm there. I'll sleep tonight. We'll get you home in the morning. And Aww. he was starting to get really weary, barely able to see the path now because it's getting darker very fast. And the little girl stops crying. And that's when he turns and looks at her as he's picked her up. And he realizes he's just holding a bundle of rags. Oh, little girl is not anything. And then he realizes he doesn't know what trail he's on and doesn't know where he is. And he quickly starts writing in the dirt, you know, so he knows which direction he's gone and which way he's going to go. And as he's riding into the dirt, a shadow falls over him. And he hears a loud screech. The next day, the people are out looking for Jefferson Davis Boone because he ain't here. And then they go find this scratching in the ground. And it just says, going north, hope to be Spearfinger. And that's oh. the last thing that's written on the ground. And he was never seen again. Okay. So the family story. And he literally disappears off the family tree. There are no more records of this. And the family has written it into a short story that they are going to be publishing soon in a tale of uh, Holler Monsters because they shared it with me. But uh, I love that they had an encounter with Spearfinger. First of all, that tale is terrifying. So yep. let's start there. But is she somebody that's seen even now? Or is she an older legend? She's an older legend, but supposedly people still see her, but now they call her skinwalker or they call her some other name because spearfinger is a stupid name let's you know you know it's that's what i think is what it comes to i got it that's like when people see stump jumpers and they call them oh puck wedgies or you know because stump jumper is a dumb name you know it's i think spearfinger is just one of those stories that has persisted and there are many traveler encounters with it from the wild west days and early settlers days that would talk about the Cherokee saying, yeah, it's real. And yeah, we, we protect ourselves from it. So if you want to protect yourselves from Spearfinger, native artifacts that are given to you, not taken, have to be given to you. So you have to find like arrowheads or yeah, flint rock, or the best thing is fairy stones. Now, are you familiar with those? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So if you can find one of those in the river, if a river gives it to you and you wear that, Spearfinger won't touch you. But well, that's good to know. But there is one more little bit to this story, and we will do that after we come back from the break. Destiny Beard, the lyrical soprano 
will haunt your dreams. With her alluring melodies and intricate harmonies, this dark siren of wistful song shall capture your soul and lead you into the night. Check out Destiny's new single, The Haunting Is Over, with international musicians Sam Haynes and Gary Bennett, as well as her other musical works at destinybeer.com. Erie Appalachia. Gear up for a frightful jaunt into the darkest reaches of the ancient Appalachians. Folks deep within the Appalachian hollers lean close to the campfire to share stories of the inexplicable with hushed awe. Monsters rumbling in the hills, strange lights darting through the pitch black night sky, horrible occurrences almost ineffable in their bizarre tragedy. Tall tales, you might say. Tell that to the Flatwoods monster in Braxton County, West Virginia, or the Goat Man of Louisville. Look into his humanoid eyes and let him know you don't believe. What of those apparitions in Mammoth Cave's Corpse Rock, or the Satan spawn known as the Jersey Devil, how do you respond when confronted by these mysteries? From the metaphysical energy that swirls near Serpent Mound in Ohio, to Point Pleasant's Mothman Legacy, Mark Muncie and Carrie Schultz explore the dark history lurking in the shadows of Appalachia. Read by Mark Muncie, author and experts on strange folklore with appearances on shows such as Ancient Aliens, The Curse of Robert the Doll, and many, many more. And we're back. We're back. And um, well, all right. So that's the end of the story from the family. So okay. I started researching this. And like you said, I wanted to see, you know, if there was any other sightings of spear finger in the area or anything like this. Now, what I do have is a fun sheriff's report that this is from an interview in a newspaper from Sevierville near that area. And it's in an area called Beach Springs, B-E-E-C-H. And this sheriff's report said a young boy had fallen and broken his leg pretty bad. And they thought he died from exposure, but that isn't what killed him. Okay. And this is from the sheriff's quote. When the coroner came up, he noticed right away that it looked like the boy had been stabbed in the side deep. And the killer must have been some real sicko. I love that this is the newspaper quote. <laughs> because it looked like the knife used to cut, cut out the boy's liver. Oh. And what kind of person does that? And Nashville police came to investigate. And as far as I can tell, there was no arrest. Now, this is a report from 1957. Oh, my gosh. So, there you go. Wow. So Spearfinger might be haunting those hills near Sevierville. I wonder if he hangs out at Dollywood. No. Um, <laughs> I have been to Dollywood. I did not see her there. Yeah. Anyway, one of those fun ones. And one of those ones that they thought might be one of uh, Otis Cool or somebody like that that just, you know, traveled the country doing weird things. Maybe. That... That's the first mention I can find of a missing liver in uh, East Tennessee, so. Well, and, you know, if she's there and she has to do that, there are a lot of disappearances. And, yep. you know, what's interesting about police reports, too, before we get on to the next two holler monsters, is sometimes, especially older police reports, have two things. They either give way too much info that people wouldn't give now on certain situations, or 
they kind of cover it up. Like I was, I was reading um, a case study where they were talking about um, the death of these two girls. Trigger warning. Jump ahead ten seconds. Um, the two girls were killed, but they were raped when they were killed. So there was Ooh. sexual assault, and then they were killed. But because the coroner wanted to make sure that they didn't get an illicit reputation or something like that, he left that part off the autopsies. So oh. when certain people had sort of um, come up as suspects, they their confessions involved that particular piece of information. And they were kind of discounted because no, that didn't happen to those girls. I think that it's it's interesting, but I wonder how many missing livers have happened and if she still prowls the haulers. That's that's the question. That is the great question of that. So yeah. So oh, from wow. there, we are going to travel to the outskirts of the Great Dismal Swamp. Okay. Now, this is not a holler because this is you know coastland. But the Great Dismal Swamp is out in your area, Bo, right? And it's known for the Dismal Swamp Beast, which is also known as, uh, because we call them you know, skunk apes down in uh, Florida over in the Dismal Swamp, they call them skunkfoot. And it's a Bigfoot oh, wow. that attacks Boy Scout camps uh, with a foul smell. And everybody says the smell is the worst thing about it. And they even have a couple newspapers have written about it, you know, near Chesapeake wow. and stuff like that. So, but we're going to go to the other side of the park. Okay. And we're going to a town called Cora Peak, which is on the other side of the swamp. Now, Cora Peak, a family wrote to me that they have what they consider a holler monster. They live in a small valley. They live in this floodplain area and okay. whenever the rains come very very strongly okay. they see something unusual come out of the swamp and meander towards their farm and they've seen it a few times over a couple hundred years span that the family owns the land there okay and they call it the great worm the cora oh worm and this creature is segmented like a giant caterpillar but interesting the head is that of a human and it's supposed to be about 10 foot long uh to 12 feet long not super huge like you'd think when we think of great worms we're thinking yeah you know, the lanyon worm in england and which is supposed to be 30 40 feet long or 100 feet long and stuff like that this is supposed to be 10 to 12 feet long so maybe like but it a, sounds kind of like a naga if it has a human head right right exactly now the story behind this one is okay. a little christmasy which is why oh. i wanted to put that one on this episode so the park ranger in the dismal swamp says that you know the skunk foot he believes in but does not believe in the worm and yeah. then the other ranger that i talked to about this believes in the worm but doesn't believe in skunk foot so <laughs> it's uh and he says he's seen it so oh. while he was on patrol and now neither of these rangers are allowed to say their names because they will be 
sent to parts unknown and who knows where they'll be restationed. So that's what we've learned from these rangers. Now, okay. what's interesting about the worm, the family story goes. All right, we ready for this? We're ready for another fun family story? I love fun family stories during I, our haunted holiday holler monster special. Exactly. So this one was Linda was a young girl who worked on the farm. She was not part of the family, but she worked there to make a living. They needed extra help bringing in the crops. It was getting wintry. So all that was left was to pack everything, can everything, get ready for the long winter and survive. Now, this is 1920s. It is the Great Depression. They're trying their best. Every family is doing whatever they can to survive. Yeah. And little Linda is a little sickly. She's got a cough, which I would assume tuberculosis uh, uh, because of that yeah. time, I'm afraid. So she's always sickly. She's always coughing. They don't want her canning anything, but she desperately needs the work. So they okay. tell her, you can go over to the other side of the field, over right where we border the swamp. And what we need is the fence fixed. You can help a couple of the boys over there fix up the fence. Okay. All you need to do is kind of keep a lookout, make sure nothing comes out of the swamp that might injure the animals, might hurt the boys. There's been some bears. There's been some other strange noises coming out of the swamp. Well, of course, because so, there always is. Because there always is. And because there'd been recent flooding. So a lot of the animals were up and about and they were you know, looking for foraging stronger. And with winter coming, or winter was already here, they were in you know dire straits. So the animals would be out in force. And she was out there watching the boys. So she was up on the hill. The boys are out in the field, putting up the fence, making sure we need to keep the predators out. We got to protect the chickens, the livestock, all that fun stuff. And while they're putting up the fence, she hears strange noise. Linda looks into the woods and over in the woods, she sees a rustling and she's wondering what's coming. So she yells to the boys, be careful, be careful. Something's coming from the swamp. And they go, all right, we're on it. So one of the boys grabs his gun and he's got it ready. He's got a rifle. He's got an old repeater rifle that his dad had from the Wild West days. Oh, and wow. So he can shoot a... He said, well, the family story says you could shoot a gnat off a fence post at 100 yards. So <laughs> he's ready. He's got it cocked and ready. And he's watching the woods. And she's looking out over the swamp. Okay. All watching the movement. And out comes a herd of deer. Now, well, normally that means they're being chased by something. Well, they're happy because, hey, we got some deer meat. We that'll that'll uh, you know go good with the stockpile. So, exactly. So the boy takes aim, fires a shot, downs a buck right off the bat. Fires a second shot, downs the doe. The other three scatter the other direction, and now they're like, "All right, well, let's go get the food. Yeah, let's go get the meat." Not thinking ahead like you were, Erica, that there might have been something pushing them this way. So they make their way slowly into the swampy water and, you know, it's just mucky at this point because it is very cold. So it's not the deep, deep swamps that uh, they're expecting that's normally there. And they're just kind of working their way through the outskirts and working away through the mud. And she's still watching for them. And she calls out to him and says, all right, it's right over there. That's where you guys got it. 
And she's kind of telling them where to go because she's from got the vantage and telling them which way to go. And they get there and they start, you know, collecting the game. They're going to drag it back to the, to the farm. And so they load it up. They figure they'll work on the fence later. This is a much bigger prize. And they start coming back and they look up at her and she's gone. And they march up the hill to say, Linda, Linda, where are you? Don't come down this way. It's swampy. And they don't hear her cough. They don't see her. And they get up there and there are tracks that is like a rut in the ground right up to her that looks like someone had dug a gully, they said, right up to her. And they said, oh, no, she's been dragged into the swamp. And now they're panicking because, oh, As God. they should be. Yeah. So they run to get help. And the whole family comes out and they get all the workers and they get all the workers' families and everybody's swarming. The okay. swamp. They find the little girl. She had been dragged to a dry area on a little island with a small fire. And she's what? sitting there and she says, the worm tried to get me. The worm came for me. And I was caught. But I couldn't say a thing because I was swallowed. And then they go, well, what happened? What happened? And she says, the big guy. The wild man, he pulled me out of the worm and he put me here and built the fire for me. And he looked just like Santa Claus, but he was smelly and extra hairy. And he must have not done his washing because he wasn't wearing his coat. Uh -huh. And that uh -huh. is the story uh -huh. of this family. Hold on. We're not done yet. I have many things I have observed that yes. I need to talk about. First of all and foremost, what was Santa like back then? Because my, I'm assuming we're talking about a Bigfoot or a skunk or whatever. We're talking about right at, you know, in the 1920s. So we'd already had the Dickens Christmas Carol and it was pretty popularized in the U.S. But we hadn't had Coca-Cola yet making Santa Mr you know, Macy's Day or anything like that. He was pretty much a wild character of the woods. Think C.S. Lewis version was a okay. pretty prominent display. He was basically a wild man who brought you presents. Interesting. I would love for a wild man to bring me presents, if you know yeah. what I mean. So yeah. she says that basically, and that was a different version of wild man than we're both thinking, but I can see the look on Bo's face right now. And I broke her while yep. recording this podcast so basically i just want to make sure i'm i'm interpreting this story in eerie travels times yep. um bigfoot saved this little girl for from a giant worm and built her a fire and left her on an island yep you know we are not living in the right time frame because i feel like this is so fantastical i want to live in a time frame where bigfoot is saving me from a giant worm and then building me a fire and maybe bringing me presents cuz that's how that works maybe she had apparently had a pile me. of she had a pile of nuts and berries oh some nuts and berries how you doing some sticks yeah, and there berries. you go 
<laughs> Bigfoot <laughs> saved Christmas. Yes, Bo, yeah. I think Bigfoot saved Christmas in this particular instance. Yep. Okay. So, so are there now, any has other... the worm been seen since? Yes. A couple times. Some of the family members have supposedly seen it, but have never gotten close enough to it to get an accurate description, except for that human head. And apparently big enough to swallow a small, small child. So yeah, well, that's because you shouldn't go after this, right? Yep. So Hollywood makes this. It's going to be Tremors versus Bigfoot. Yes. So. <laughs> wow. All right. So we got time for one more. Yeah, I think we have time for one more, but I, I don't know how you're going to top a worm that okay. saved Christmas. Yeah, I don't know if I can top it, but I think this one, I was saving this one for last because it's short, it's sweet, but it's a lot of fun. Okay. And, okay. Okay. So this is in a town called Little Switzerland in North Carolina, not too far from us. And this is a touristy town. And they have an area near it called Little Switzerland Tunnel. It is an old tunnel that you can go visit. And that is your travel for this week, gang, is definitely head over to visit Little Switzerland. It's a tourist town. It's just like visiting Switzerland, but you're in North Carolina mountains. And uh, it's a blast. It's really cool. I can't wait to go back. I haven't been there in a decade, so I'm excited to go back soon because this story hit me. And this one okay. landed on my email list right after Erie Appalachian, a family told me, did you know about the time that little Switzerland was invaded by weevils? And I'm like, okay, I did not know about this. And these weevil creatures are bigger than normal weevils, but they were destroying the crops. They were destroying everything that was being stored in this town. This is before it was a tourist attraction. This is before, this is in the early days of this town just being settled and starting to okay, get... Okay, I think you need to describe what a weevil is. Okay, so a weevil is like, um, gosh, how, how best to describe it? It's like a bug that's like a giant beetle, and they are known for getting into grain and stuff. They've got a really long snout. That's what really separates them. It's like a, a, you know, a proboscis of some sort. And they tend to get, they're also called flower bugs because they infest flour, rice, cornmeal, and all your dry goods. But sometimes okay. you'll buy a box and suddenly you'll pour it out and to boil it. And these little bugs start floating to the top because they'd been in your, your stuff. Well, so, that's nice and gross. So thank you. That's very gross. So it would be, you know, when you're eating your Christmas porridge, just look out for weevils. Oh, but yuck. Who the hell eats porridge not on Christmas? Yeah, they're they're not common. It's just they're an odd thing. They're basically a beetle. And now what happened is they were trying everything they could to get rid of them. This was an infestation and they weren't sure what to do. And the church was praying for it. The town was trying to figure out what to do because now their grain supply is gone. It's coming to winter we don't know what we're going to do. How are we going to get rid of the weevils? And this is where we have one of those fun stories of a wild man. Oh, out of the woods and big hairy creature, but okay. he has a satchel and he gives it to the town and he puts it on the ground in town. Now, normally everybody's panicking 
because the wild man's in it, and this is supposedly a 10 foot tall wild man and okay. he brings the satchel to the town and the satchel in it when they he leaves immediately and everybody finally runs out to see what the heck did the wild man bring us and they said it looked like a tuning fork it was a metal thing and it looked like a u-shape on the top with a metal rod and next to it was a clay stick with a little wooden bell on the top. So and a tuning covered. fork that's metal with a clay stick with a bell. Yeah. And okay, it, this would be a weird like in-law present that you get that you don't know what to do with. Yeah, what the heck is this? And it's covered with native writings that they don't understand from a tribe that they're not familiar with. And somebody gets the idea, bong, hits the clay onto the tuning fork. And it drives away a group of weevils that are nearby. So they immediately start walking over all the grain silo and all the storage things and are just banging the heck out of this thing to chase them away. And the weevils flee. Oh. And it causes this amazing reaction that they realize, oh my gosh, we, we might be able to save the crop. And so they start really using it. Now, the question is, where did the bell go? Where did the tuning fork go? Because it is no longer around. It was a story that kind of circulated around this time, but it was a wild man came to the town and gave them this, a man from the wilds. Now, the descriptions of the wild man is nine foot tall and wearing skins on top of his fur coat. So this may be what we consider a wild man, where he's actually a guy who lives in the wilds and hunts and does all that. And, but that big and that hairy, I immediately go immediately, our old friend, Bigfoot Sasquatch. I was going to say, I, I feel like that is what is happening there, yes. And supposedly that town has never had weevils again. Oh. So when you visit Little Switzerland... You can avoid weevils, but I want to know what that, if it was shamanistic, if it was some sort of medicine man thing, because it was tribal and all this. Well, maybe, just maybe, hear me out. Hmm. Um, I think different people, different um, cultures, different things can have different superpowers. Yes. Now, when the earth was created and went through its many maturations, and we developed the weevil, the weevil, of course, needs a natural-born enemy. And what is the natural-born enemy of a weevil? A wild man with a tuning fork and clay stick and a bell. So I think that this is some sort of superhero, and what I'm going to say, travelers, is we have had some fantastic hollow monsters brought up but I want you guys to do me one better. I want one of two things, and I want it almost immediately. First and foremost, I would like any artists out there, I don't care if you think you're great or not. I know you're great. We would like some representations of what you feel like these creatures are like. And I want the entire scene with the girl, the Bigfoot, the worm, and the fire. I want all of it. <laughs> Don't forget. I want the whole thing. 
I want a picture. We will post it on the site. We will share it on social media. Do your darndest. Spearfinger, what do you believe she looks like? Because she obviously was human before, got yeah. cursed, made a deal with the demon. I want to know what you guys think this looks like. And now the equivalent of our friend that uses his flute to control the rats, we yep. now have... Yeah, the Weevil song. He's very much a Pied Piper of yes. the Bigfoot industry there. And I also want to know, you know, dude, sign up your services. You you could be the new Orkin man. It would Seriously. be amazing, you know, if you knew how to get rid of weevils. I mean, I, I if you now in all seriousness, if you do have weevil infestations in your house, call a uh, a you know a professional. You, you you can always reach out to Bigfoot. Who knows? He might come in. But the way to get rid of weevils mostly is vinegar spray and soapy water and keep your food dry. You know, that's okay. But part two of this, Mark, is I feel there are some cosplay available here. Oh, so yeah. I would like for the upcoming year, we're going to be at a lot of conventions, events. We're getting our events page updated right now. Our amazing producer is working on that. We'll have them on Facebook and we'll have them on our actual website so you can come find us and meet us. But let me just say, for those that show up in these amazing cosplays to our booth, you will get a very special Eerie Travels treat of some kind. That some swag, yeah. Us because, swag of some sort, definitely. Oh, yes. You will get some Eerie travel swag. So I want to see Spearfinger. You could be the worm or Bigfoot. Bigfoot and the worm. There's a combo. When, or, I, when I think of worms with human faces, I think of that time uh, Freddy Krueger did that yeah that was that was my immediate thought when i read that it was um i want to say i think it was beetlejuice do that too wasn't May, there? Well, it was a snake yeah whether yeah human. i'm just i'm saying though if you're gonna show up as a bigfoot you either have to have a worm or this tuning fork and the clay stick and the bell because yeah, we're yeah. not just gonna take sasquatch you need to up your game a little bit my friends yeah that's pretty gold that's pretty gold no i'm just I'm curious if, you know, the little Switzerland Chamber of Commerce is going to like suddenly bring this out and reach into it. Cause look at Point Pleasant with, uh, you know, with that and, you know, the Dismal Swamp. I mean, you already got a terrible name, Great Dismal Swamp. So you might want to, you know, look. And he's, and he's called Skunkfoot. I'm sure he's not happy about that. I know the Skunk Ape isn't happy about being called the Skunk Ape. Call him, you know, call him the Bigfoot that saved Christmas. That I love the Bigfoot that saved Christmas. And um, we did include the links to all these places, travelers. So you, you can, can visit go them. travel to these locations and potentially run into holler monsters. But let, let's just say it sounds like two of them are fairly nice. I would try to avoid trying to hunt down Spearfinger. So uh, yeah, she sounds I like that will be an unpleasant experience all around if she is still out and about. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, with my goodness, gang. So as always, thank you so much for joining us. We had so much fun with this episode. I, I know we've had a few people requesting some Holler Monster stories, so I was happy to share these. I've got a lot more on tap, gang. Believe me, this is the tip of the iceberg. Much more ahead. We've got a few more guests coming up for the rest of the holidays. We've got our event schedule filling up. We've got our Patreon starting early next year. We will have more information on that very, very soon. But in the meantime, when you're looking for those last minute holiday gifts, 
please, please, please visit our sponsors. Download the Destiny Beard soundtrack songs. Man, those are amazing. And some of our we other We have stuff. our Friends of Erie Travels on our website. So you can oh, go yeah. check out all these people that we talk about. We try to get them up and added to the website and stuff. So just please, please check it out. Yep, yep, yep. And with that, gang, I will say that it is now officially the dark of the year. When you're out watching for cryptids, make sure you keep your eyes behind your head. Because you never know when that worm may come and get you. But if you're lucky, maybe Bigfoot will save you with a bell. And he'll chase away the worm and chase away the giant weevils. And with that, gang, we will see you on the other side. <laughs>